Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks. All right. So last week we started in Colossians and I covered quite a bit of number of verses um, I covered 1 through 12, which for me is pretty impressive, I think, because I talk too much, too long, and uh, too often. So, um, But today we're going to continue in Colossians, starting in verse 13. My, my plan was to go 13 to 20, uh, but I got through 14 and realized God's too good. I couldn't even get to that other stuff. So we're going to cover 13 and 14 today. Amen. Um, and I, I hope to explain to you and show you why in just a little bit. But I've titled this message, Thankful for Christ. We have a consumer-focused worldview, largely. We want more and more. And we're thankful for less and less of what we have. And it, it shouldn't be that way. There's a story about a, a writer, a teacher, and a preacher from years ago named H.A. Ironside. And H.A. Ironside was, it tells a story of his life and he, one particular night individual, specifically, he, he was sitting down for a, at a restaurant, just ordered a steak, and as that steak's being delivered to his table, a rich man comes up to him and asked him, he said, do you mind if I sit down? And he looks at the rich man and says, sure. And so the guy sits down. Oh, because he had just received his food, before the rich man got an opportunity to speak, Ironside bowed his head, as was his custom, and prayed and was thankful to God for the meal he was about to receive. And so he, he says, amen. He, he raises his head, and the, the guy looks at him, and he says, is something wrong with you? He said, Ironside said, no. He said, do you have a headache? He said, no. He said, is something wrong with your food? He said, no. Why do you keep asking? He said, well, I was just wondering what you were doing. He said, I'm in the habit of thanking God for what I receive. And so every time I receive from God, specifically in regard to what I'm eating, I take the time to be thankful for that which I have. And the guy looked at him and he said, oh, you're one of those. Y'all ever have anybody look at you like that? Like you be in a restaurant and people just looking at you like, oh, look at those guys over there. They're praying. They think they're better than us or whatever. And so he says, oh, you're one of those. And he goes, what do you mean? He goes, I guess you're a Christian. He said, I am a Christian. And then he says this. He goes, the, the rich man says, well, I get what I got from the sweat of my own brow, my own intellect, and I'm not thanking anybody for it. Uh, when I get my food, I just dive right in. And H.I. Ironside just very profoundly looked at him, started to eat and said, yeah, you're like my dog. That's what he does too. <laughs> and I think that's profound. How often do we act like dogs when we should act like servants? Amen? We have to learn to be thankful. This whole message today is about being thankful. I want to talk to you about the necessity of thankfulness. We've been commanded to be thankful. We should give God thanks for everything that we have. And 
everything that we have, the breath in our lungs, the health in our body, the promise of health in our body, the fact that I can see, the fact that I'm not laid in bed today, that I have the energy to move, that, that God has continued to breathe his spirit of wisdom and revelation into me and does the same for you, that he's given us the intellectual and the spiritual capacity to not only know him but love him. We should be thankful for so many things. But if I had to guess, and this isn't condemning, I don't think, but very few of us is, are as thankful as we should be. We don't take the time to just be thankful. And I, I can prove this to you, I think, but you'd have to be honest with yourself. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or anything. But when was the last time that you went to the Lord in prayer that you never asked for anything. You were just thankful for what you have. That'll tell you whether you're thankful as you could be because you'll exhaust yourself completely if you come to a realization of all you have to be thankful for, all that I have to be thankful for. I would name each of you by name. I wouldn't talk about your personalities. I would talk about my wife and how she is loving and kind. And Although sometimes she doesn't like people talking to her, she's a very social person and she loves people. And she's very talented. She made this thing. And so, that's, I mean, she's just, she just good. And I just go because I know God put that in her. And that God put that in her and the love that she has for me and the idea that that exists, the very fact that that exists means I should be on my face thanking God that he put breath in her lungs. Not just mine. Amen? Put passion in her heart. Not just mine. Just on and on and on, we could be so much more thankful than we are. But the Bible tells us to be thankful. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, in everything. Every, everybody say everything. That's, that's pretty... That's, that means everything. It's... Declarative. There's not a something we shouldn't be thankful for. Everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If the Bible tells me this is God's will, that I should be thankful, and my responsibility as a believer is to walk in the will of God, then I should be thankful for all things. Some of us, sadly, spend all of our lives wondering, man, what's God's will for my life? Look, I don't know what God's will specifically for your life is, but maybe if you started doing the things that the Bible specifically says is his will, he'll show you what his will is for your life. Well, we want to take step three or four without taking step one. But he says, in everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In Ephesians 5.20, he said, always, everybody say always, giving thanks for all things. That means all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. And I think these are two profound declarations. We should be thankful. I mean, I promise I'm going somewhere. But I want, I want your heart to turn toward thankfulness, thanksgiving. Because we have so much to be thankful for. Even in the worst of times, we have so much to be thankful for. I, I can remember laying in the hospital, and when I, I came back to consciousness, I can remember just, as she was there, within just a few minutes, 
And I saw her through the glass because they made her put on some masks and stuff. And I just wept because God is so good that he watched over me while I was unconscious for five days. And the first thing I got to see was my wife. That's God's doing. That's not my doing. I was thankful for that. Amen? When people walk into the church, I'm thankful for that. When somebody gives their life to the Lord, I'm thankful for that. We should be so thankful. Our kids, when our grandbaby says, Papa, cookie. Man, I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful that it's my house and not her mama's house because her mama says, he can't have a cookie. And then I go get him a cookie. I say, you mean he can't have a cookie at your house? He does whatever he wants to at my house. That's your problem. Right? So I'm thankful for the authority I have in my house. But we should be more thankful. Is everybody, everybody tracking with me? Is everybody okay? And we should, we should be thankful in all things like Paul was thankful. You know, Paul wrote the letter of Colossians while in prison, if you didn't know that. He was in prison when he wrote the letter to Colossians. And still, he was thankful. This is what he says. No matter what situation he is in, no matter what he dealt with, he always understood this. Philippians 4.12, I know how to get along with humble means. That means I know how to get along with very little. And I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have found the secret of being filled, the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I do all things through him who strengthens me. Man, that's a heart of thankfulness. Man, I'm chained to this wall. I don't know what he actually, whether he's chained to a wall or not, but he's in prison. He's not able to leave. They, they end up, according to church history, although the Bible doesn't actually declare it, cutting his head off, and he was a martyr for the sake of Christ Jesus. And while in prison, he was foretelling about Jesus. He was writing letters to people to tell them about Jesus. That's how thankful he was. He was so thankful he didn't care about his own life his own lack or his own abundance. He didn't care about any of it. He was just thankful that God, for whatever reason, because he's merciful and gracious, I guess is the reason, knocked him off a horse and said, let me introduce myself. And we should be thankful too because I've been knocked off my horse. Amen? Have y'all been knocked off your horse? Yeah, absolutely. And so we should be thankful because he didn't have to. He could have left us to rot and be dead in the ignorance and the sinfulness that we were in. But he didn't. And so we need to be thankful for Christ. But can I tell you, I want you to be thankful for the biblical Christ. Read your Bible. Let the Bible tell you who Jesus is. Jesus wasn't some effeminate, weirdo. He was a man. He was meek, but he was strong. He was courageous. He was convictional. Make sure that the, the Jesus that you're thankful for isn't someone's version of who Jesus is to manipulate you. Do you know why so much sin runs rampant in the church today? Because false teachers, much like Paul's talking about in Colossians, false teachers infiltrated the church and didn't go left unchecked. They just did whatever they want to. And now you've got homosexual pastors. That's the truth. So we need to make sure we're declaring the right 
Jesus. And how do I find out what the right Jesus is? Read my word. Or read your word, not my word. I'm going to read my word. If you don't have a Bible, I'll get you one. But as I find out who Jesus is, I should conform to who Jesus is. I've told this before, but there's a, when a counterfeiter, a guy who works to, to detect counterfeit bills, he doesn't go and look and search out every counterfeit bill. He doesn't look at 500 different variations of the $100 bill to find out all the deficiencies and weirdnesses in the counterfeit. You know what he does? He gets a real $100 bill and studies it. And he learns it. And he just watches it. And he looks for the small pieces, the, the regularities, the irregularities in the actual bill itself. And then when he sees something that isn't true, he isn't swayed by that counterfeit. You're not swayed by false teaching. When you truly understand who Jesus is, the biblical view of who Jesus really is, you won't be swayed. You'll be thankful. Amen? And Paul tells us two reasons, uh, or I'm going to give you two reasons. It's actually four pieces, but he gives us two reasons why we should be thankful in these two verses. Let me, let me read them to you. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let me tell you, that starts a section in my Bible that somebody wrote, The Incomparable Christ. Yours may say the supremacy of Christ or something like that, but it just really starts dissecting there all the way to the end of the chapter about the the supremacy of who Jesus is and how he's head over everything and that he's 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 Jesus. And so when you're reading this section because we look at sections and verses because somebody put them in there that way we have a tendency to read over small things. And so when I first started I'm going to teach 1 through 20 or 12 through 20. And then I realized these two verses are every reason we have to be thankful. These two verses are the gospel. I'm going to read them again, and I want you to see them as the gospel. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, redemption the forgiveness of sins. And so I'm going to tell you, I'm going to start point one. Be thankful because Christ rescued and transferred us. We needed rescuing. Do you know that? You know, the, my, my biggest frustration with the gospel or people that preach it is they don't tell you why you need it, which means it's not the complete gospel. How do you know that Jesus saved you unless you know what he saved you from? How do you know you need salvation unless you know the decrepit nature of who you are? the depraved person that you are. And the Bible is explicit to tell you that. And it's not comfortable, it's not fun, but it's absolutely necessary because it's in the declaration of the truth of who we are that the Spirit begins to move on us and say, but there's something better. Amen? In 1 Peter 2.9, Peter kind of explains, kind of gives us titles. He says, but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He's, he's describing us. 
a people of God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellency of, listen to this, of him who has called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. We've been called out of darkness. That means stay out of the darkness. I know that sounds very elementary, but let me tell you, Jesus still sees us when we leave this building. You know, I'm a, I'm a coming out of the closet Christian. Sunday morning happens. I talk about righteousness and redemption and all the stuff, and I sing the songs, and I wear the clothes, and I put my hands in there, and then Sunday afternoon, I go back in my closet, shut the door, and I live in darkness. And somehow I expect God to bear fruit in my life when I'm only giving him a piece of who I am. And that's a lie. That piece is even a lie. You are better than that. We are better than that. We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. I mean, God just wants to take you up and hold you. You belong to him so that we may proclaim his excellencies because we've been called out of that and into the marvelous light. I'm not... I'm not cursed to walk around in the darkness anymore. Neither are you. So stop. That's a, that's a hard word, right? You don't know what I'm dealing with. I know you're dealing with something. I know everybody in this room is dealing with something. Has a thought they shouldn't have had. Somebody got in front of them on the interstate and slammed on their brakes, said something you shouldn't have said. Everybody dealing with you all, that's not that big a deal. It's a big deal if it's a sin because it's still rebellion to God. Amen? We were, we needed to be rescued. And here's why. Ephesians, you guys are very familiar with this text. Two, one through three, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And So let me talk about that first. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. Did you know you were dead in your trespasses and sins? You know what that means? That means you can respond to no external stimuli. You weren't even able to perceive spiritual things. The only, and it only gets worse and worse and worse from there. Because you know the only thing dead people can do? Continue to decompose. If I die right now, I'm dead. Spirit's out of my body. Come back in three weeks. I'm going to be more dead, though. I'm going to be more decomposed. And that's the spiritual nature of our depravity. We're dead in our sin, but then we get worse in our sin, and then we get worse in our sin, and then we get worse in our sin because of who we are. We've walked around, according to this text, Formerly, we walked around according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. And so we were, he's essentially saying, you were paying attention to evil things, doing evil things. Among them, formerly lived in the lusts of your flesh, indulged the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Can I tell you that, that was true of me? I'm not ashamed of that at all. You know why I'm not ashamed of it? Because it's my testimony. I was in my flesh. I was lost in the depravity of my mind. But God, but God saved me. Amen? But we, in our death, we decompose. 
I, can, I, I want to prove this to you, and I have time to, so I'm going to. In Romans 1, 21 through 32, and I'm not going to read the whole text, they just, Paul just got done writing about how God is evident in, in creation. You go outside and watch the grass grow. If you're paying attention, you'll know there's a guy. Just the very fact that we hang on to an earth that's round and is moving at over a thousand miles an hour has to prove there's a guy. The fact that the same stuff that comprises of my eye makes up my hand, but God ordered my eye in such a way to see and my hand to feel proves there's a guy. Amen? Just the complexity of the eye itself proves that there's a guy. And so he, he just says that, and then he starts talking about this. He said, for even though they knew God, that is, they knew that God existed, if they would just pay attention, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So their foolish hearts were darkened. And then they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for the form of corruptible man, started making idols. Verse 24, therefore God gave them over in the lusts of their impurity. And so they were dead, they became impure. Then they continued to exchange the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. That includes you too. When you serve yourself over God, you've made a God of yourself. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. I believe this is a step-by-step -step process to depravity. And then he says, in the same way, also these men abandoned the natural functions of the women, of the natural function of the woman. And so because they have degrading passions, now their passions are all out of whack. So in verse 27, he's talking about homosexuality. And just as they did not see a fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind. Can I tell you? or I don't have to tell you, watch the news or Facebook or something. We live in a world right now that has lost its mind. They, they have a depraved mind. They, they think of ways to sin and celebrate them that would have never crossed any of our minds 10 years ago. In the worst of my sin, I wouldn't have even thought to do some of the stuff they're celebrating publicly in the streets right now. That's a process by which God released them to the, to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, and then gave them over to their degrading passions, and then gave them over to a depraved mind. We got to pay attention and be thankful that we don't walk in that anymore. Jesus saved us from that. Jesus redeemed us from that. He kept us from that. He transferred us out of the darkness and into light. You want to know how bad you, you were? And you're all, man, God, we get it. I was bad. All right. But I want you to get it because in getting it, you know how glorious Jesus is. Romans 3, 23. You guys are familiar with that text. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The text I don't read to you enough is 9 through 18. And here it is. It says, essentially, every piece of you is corrupt. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks all are all under sin. Everybody sinned. Everybody was condemned by sin. And this, is, was, this was our nature. There is none righteous. 
not even one. There is none who understands. There is no one who seeks after God. All have turned aside together. They have become useless, means, which means not good for anything of, pertaining to godliness. They were useless. This is, there is none who does good. There is not even one. And then he starts talking about the body. Their throat is an open grave. Y'all ever been around somebody who every time they open their mouth, death or some vile thing spews out of it? It says their throat is an open grave. With their tongues, they keep deceiving. They're just liars. The poison of asps is under their lips. So they're destructive and they create even more death by always running that tongue and running that mouth and always talking some kind of craziness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Right now, we live in the most violent of times. The feeder destruction and misery are in their paths, and the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. You want to know why all that other stuff is true? Because there's no fear of God before their eyes. And and I I, I want to tell you that's what that's what we were rescued from. That's what we were transferred out of. Amen. The glory of verse two, Ephesians two, is that. We were dead in our trespasses. And then it says, you were formerly walking in these things. We're not walking in those things anymore. Do you know why we're not walking in those things anymore? Because of Jesus. That's the only reason. Jesus rescued us. We were subject to wrath and deserved it. But Jesus rescued us by transferring us. 1 Thessalonians 5.9, For God has not destined us to wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? It's beautiful to me because I remember who I was. I haven't been saved so long that I can't remember the vileness that I, that I was. And every day I wake up, man, and I think, Wow. I was over here during worship and I was thinking, there are a million other people that are qualified to do what I do and would do better. Why didn't you choose one of them? And because I, I think the answer is because I've been broken enough that if I can hold anything at all, God gets the glory for it, not me. But Jesus saved us. Jesus rescued us. And he did it. And the second reason we should be thankful is because is through our redemption and the forgiveness of our sins. He redeemed us and he forgave us of our sins. What's redeemed mean? I I love Bible words, but I don't like to talk big words from the pulpit because honestly there's people that don't know what big words mean. And so and I didn't either. Until I studied, you know, until somebody told me. But to be redeemed means just bought back. I told you just a minute ago that you were in the darkness, but now you're in the light. That didn't happen by accident. That happened because Jesus Christ paid a price for you. Amen. You were a slave to sin, according to Romans 6. Now you should be a slave to Christ because Romans 6 says you're going to be obedient to whoever you are a slave to. And when I was a slave to sin, man, I was a slave to sin. I was obedient to every passion, every lust, every fleshly thing. But now in Christ Jesus, 
I do everything that I can by the power and the Spirit of God to walk in righteousness because I want to be obedient to who owns me. I tell you, that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow in today's society. Hey, nobody owns me. If you're a Christian, Jesus owns you. You don't have any rights or privileges of your own. Amen. You have to be obedient to the Word of God or you can't be a Christian. You're like, well, I said the prayer. That's great. But it didn't mean nothing to you or you'd be obedient to the Word of God. Your obedience proves your confession. It doesn't save you, but it proves that you are saved. If, if I am the same person right now that I was when I gave my life to the Lord in 2006, guess what? I probably didn't get saved. I can put, I mean, I put my name on a thousand salvation cards. Jesus ain't reading none of those. Jesus, like I don't turn those in to Jesus. <laughs> Just so you know. Like he, he's like, hey, I need your report on the people that made the confession today. So I can fix my book up here. He is present, ever present, everywhere you are, and he expects obedience of us. Amen? Because he bought us. Because he paid for us. And he paid a steep price for us. Ephesians 1.17, it says this, or 1.7, In him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. You know the price that Jesus paid for you? The shedding of His own blood. God Himself came out of heaven because He loved you so much. Listen to me, this should be a comfort to us. Because He loved you, so, the creator of the universe. Now, he didn't send somebody some lower echelon middle management guy. He came here and he humbled himself even to death, death on a cross, which is the most vile way to die back then. So that from the cross of Calvary, having been beaten and beaten and beaten and drugged that cross, he might be able to shed his blood and exchange the shedding of his blood for your soul. Hallelujah. Man, that should make us so thankful. Because here's, here's what blows my mind. He didn't have to. He has creative license over us. The first time we sinned, he could have killed us. Nobody would have. He's not accountable to anybody. He could have killed us and started over. But he didn't. He sent his own son, Jesus, to die for us. And that's, that's amazing to me. And it makes me thankful. That all the stuff that I talked about, how horrible I was. Jesus paid the price to buy me back. And blood had to be shed. Why did blood have to be shed? Because without the shedding of blood, there is no what? Say it loud. No remission of sin. You're all, well, why not? Because God said so. Can that, buy, can that not be good for reason? You're all, well, I mean, he could he could have just said, I trade this pen for you. But that's not what he said. Because if he just traded this pen for you, this would all be all the value that he has or all the value that you have to him. And let me tell you, I go through 10 pens a week. I can't keep up with one. 
But if my son dies on a cross, it proves the value that I, that you hold to me. It proves the value we hold to God. He ain't lost us. He, we ain't like this pen. He's keeping track of us because he paid for us. He transferred us out of darkness into the kingdom of light. And he has redeemed us by the shedding of his own blood. That is the blood of Jesus Christ. And I am thankful. But not just the shedding of blood. In his redemption, in the redemption that he offers us, we know that that was good enough for all time. There's one sacrifice needed to be made according to Hebrews 10. I would challenge you to go read it. I'm not going to go there now. 10 through 11 through 18. Says that priests ministered day by day by day by day by day to no avail. But Jesus was the singular sacrifice that essentially, that didn't essentially, it did fulfill the sacrificial law. He was enough. And He was enough for you. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? And in all of that, He's offered us forgiveness. He offered us forgiveness. You don't have to walk in who you were. The Bible is pretty clear to say that He's removed your sin as far as from you as far as the east is from the west. You know the cool thing about the east and the west? They can never touch each other. That He threw the memory of your sin into the sea. That he's placed it behind him. Which means he's not seeing it. He's done with it. He's chiseled that off of you. It's no longer part of who you are. Because when you're forgiven a sin, you're forgiven a sin once and for always. Now that's not saying once saved, always saved. If you sin today, if you sin tomorrow, you're still you have to repent for that, but you're one prayer of repentance away from absolute purity and perfection and righteousness because that one sacrifice was enough. That one, and it should be, right? And so because of that, I'm thankful. Because he cared enough to love me, because he cared enough to die for me, transfer me out of the kingdom of darkness and into the king of light, kingdom of light, he shed his blood for me. I have hope. Jesus rescued me. And now death has no sting for me. I am a person of peace because I know at the end of my life, even during my life, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't take that out of context. You're not going to fly off the roof of this building, sail through the sky. But he is capable of strengthening you and providing for you and protecting you and giving you provision and ensuring that you feel loved. He can do, you can do all things through Christ because of the assurance of who Christ is. Amen? He's a rescuer. Because of that, I'm thankful. And so, I love you. I'm going to ask you, pay attention to your Bible. Because it reveals to you the heart of the God that you serve.
Can you imagine me trying to get through verse 20 when I just got through two verses barely and now I'm five minutes over? We got to pay attention to what we're reading and let the Spirit of God speak to us. Amen.